I say that you're a terrible reporter. That's what I say. Have a nice dinner. Relax. 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 Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Shock Therapy episode 22, Double Deuce. Turn it up for 22. That's lame, yeah, but that's yeah. all I got. <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah, we are back. It has been a another wild week here in, in America in the year... 2020. Oh, I literally for a second thought you were going to say 2012. <laughs> so well, some, <laughs> and you're like, say, wait a second, is it 2012? Wait, what's well, there that? was that theory floating around recently that it was like they were like in the Ethiopian calendar and some other calendar they named. They're like, no, this is actually 2012. Which would explain yes, everything. Yes, it was off, right? It would explain everything, right? So for those folks who missed that theory, yeah, that the calendar was off by like seven and a half, eight years. So we're actually in the, as the legend foretold, the year 2012, according to those calendars. It wasn't eight years ago. It's great meow. Which explains all of the wonderful <laughs> topics we have lined up for you guys today. I This is a really deep cut and... Well, I'll just say it. I also saw something that said that, yes, the calendar was off, but it was off by nine years, meaning that actually 2021 next year, like (laughs) it's the end of this year is just the lead up. Yeah. Let's fucking hope not. Who the hell is saying that? Can you imagine if this is all the fucking prelude, the opening act for next year? Well, we already know it's going to be like a wild two-ish years as astrology foretold. But yeah, for my own sanity, uh, you know, no, I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm going to be a realist. The hits keep coming in 2020 and you best believe we ain't seen nothing yet. That's right. And you know what? I think there's an argument to be made that that is actually the best perspective you can have for your mental health because i've been seeing these memes that are like me on december 31st new year's eve 2020 like turning the calendar into the new year like celebrating like yeah it's like i think we've said this before but girl (laughs) the pandemic knows no bounds no calendar bounds the division knows no bounds the civil unrest knows no bounds to a calendar year. Like we are buckle up, baby. Like we're in the 2020s. We're in this for the long haul. Yeah. Like shit is just not going to go back to normal. I mean, um, Trump saying this will disappear like a miracle one day or like baiting the people by saying like, Oh, it's going to be gone by um, June or by the end of summer. And you know, each goalpost is met and then it's pushed back a little bit further um, just to placate people <laughs> because the truth can rock you. For real. That strategy reminds me, one time I was on a hike with some friends to this high alpine swimming hole and like I knew I had been there before, but they hadn't and I knew that it was like close to an hour hike in to this beautiful swimming hole 
uh, but my two friends that I was with uh, had never been there. And so I used that old kick in the can down the road trick, oldest trick in the book. I was just like, don't worry, guys. It's just another 12 minutes, 15 minutes. And we're like hauling <laughs> wood and all this shit. And they're like, fuck you. Um, anyway. But it was so worth but, it, I'm sure. And just flexing uh, on oh, our listeners. So worth it. So Little worth it. They're like, spot. I was pissing you at the moment, but I was so glad. It was a you know, a little psychological trick to keep me motivated. A psyop. Uh, yeah, 45's just been looking out for us, you know? Just uh, really making sure that we feel... <laughs> We feel not in a state of terror or panic, but calm in a deep sense, state of calm right now. That's uh, that's what he's after. Right, 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 right. Calm and cool. Yet, you know, at this point, the majority of people I know are, you know, not living totally back to normal because you really, um, in most states, especially blue states, can't go back to being normal because you are going to to still have to wear masks and stuff so when you're confronted with that reality you're like oh yeah things have changed uh when you have to go into a store with a mask um if you're in red states that that varies that's more optional but yeah like as much as we want to um rage against this new normal this is just what it is right yeah, we're going to stop hearing the word unprecedented, thank God. And it's just going to be straight up precedented. <laughs> just regular <Yeah>. old, <laughs> this is how it be now. Business as usual. Mm-hmm. So are there any current so, events? Oh, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, do you have any current events? I do. Just a couple here. So... This uh, past week, we hit the grim milestone of 200,000 souls, American souls, have uh, died as a result of COVID-19. We've been talking about how it feels like people are living in multiple realities, and I've just seen like recent footage of different protests some in the UK where they were going against um first there was also like protests about save the children and things like that but I've seen recently a lot of protests saying that the lockdown measures are too extreme and saying at this point like there isn't a pandemic what are you talking about but that's confusing when here if you do turn on the news they talk about oh this school had to close down or cases are on the rise um so it's it's all just very confusing but yeah what do you think about those protests though because they try and make it seem like america like we're the only difficult people who don't want to wear a mask um and other countries have seemed to done a way better job with corona than we do but we still see these protests so what do you think you know it it's been surprising to see them in places like New Zealand, in places like London, you know, really all over the world. And also to see how big they are. Like some of them that you're just referring to, like my understanding is like, there are like tens of thousands of people at these uh, rallies. Um, I think you're right. Like this has definitely been almost branded in a way as being like, 
American, right? Like this American buffoonery, this American idiocy uh, of like anti-mask resistance and and so forth. Uh, But it says a lot, I think, about people's relationship to autonomy. And we've been talking about technology and how much has rapidly evolved, even just the way in which us, someone's smartphone controls their daily life. I think that this is almost a proxy, this anti-mask resistance, these protests is almost a proxy for this general building sentiment for a number of years that is against sort of external forces that are uh, keeping people down. So I, I see it almost more like a general strike or like a general malaise. I know it's specifically protesting masks, but I think it's deeper than that. I think it's hitting this current uh, that is related to a range of other emotions about where people find themselves being disempowered and disenfranchised in the modern age. Yeah, and feeling like they've been deceived and lied to because, you know, a lot of people do believe, you know, there was a virus, but this, for example, with us, I mean, the CDC, their numbers change all the time. And we've also heard so many doctors come out saying, like, we were, the hospital was incentivized to, they or by money, to, right, mark, like, everything as a COVID death. And also people dying of, like, heart attack or thing like that. If they happen to die with the infection, they said they died from it. So, again, that's what just makes the the risk so hard to calculate but at the same time we're barreling towards the winter where we've been told by Fauci and such to like prepare for the second wave so again my just my head is spinning from all these different realities oh big time absolutely and I am really curious to see how this evolves especially when we get to a point Uh, It sounds like likely next year, uh, first half of next year, when uh, there is sort of a vaccine mobilized for a lion's share of the population. I am curious to see if this anti-mask sentiment and and counter movement, you know, evolves, right, and translates into uh, a, like, Pete Boots on the pavement, like a present in the city streets against like the vaccine itself too right Mm -hmm. oh yeah i'm really curious because you know there's a lot of people who've even signed petitions to like lock gates up for crimes against humanity um and there's even like these really awkward clips of like them having to bill and melinda gates having to like address these rumors about the vaccine and things like that and 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 um melinda gates is like the worst actress like you should just see the way she was in this clip she was just like what he's never he's never said he wants to like chip everyone and take over the world right (laughs) and then i saw the clip um compared that laugh to like the the laugh of like dr evil (laughs) from austin powers oh my god 
totally Dr. Evil vibes. But yeah, she's such, definitely look this up, folks, because she's like such a bad actress. And like, it's almost like a, a sketch character, like sketch comedy character of someone who's like nervous and like bad at lying. Like it's that bad because she's like, I, I didn't ever, ever say the, say those words to, to him. Uh, I don't know, what do you mean? Like, it's so bad. It's really, really blatant. It's really bad. So yeah, just I know some people who like are living like it's normal and now and some people who are saying, no, I'm not going to live like it's normal until there's a vaccine. And it's like, well, then you might be transhuman and I won't be able to talk to you at that point. Right. It's like reveal yourself. Are you transhuman or are you human human? Yeah, we'll have to deal with uh, that bridge when we cross it because that's a whole moral and ethical dilemma. What will we do, um, you know, mm-hmm. if people, our family, or friends get the vaccine? Um, but yeah. Speaking of death, it's definitely a year of death, a year of, of grief on such a inconceivable scale, really. Uh, but on the note of death... Two days ago, on uh, Friday, uh, September 18th, there was a, a very noteworthy death uh, that is throwing a major curveball into the election. And I have to say, when I got the notification on my phone about this person, I had like I texted my co-host, like, I had, like, 12 consecutive seconds of, like, chills. It was, like, the longest, like, period of chills I had in my life, really. But I'll pop it over to my co-host. How did you, I haven't said who it is yet, but how did you respond to it, and what are your thoughts? Well, we should just mention who we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, some reality star. Um, we're talking about RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice, stood up for women, like, equality, um, feminist icon, they call her Notorious RBG, so liberals love her, conservatives do not care for her. Um, but do you want to, like, elaborate for it, say for people who don't pay too much attention, because honestly, I feel like I, anything I have to say would be superficial, because to keep it real I only know like the basics I did not watch the documentary on her yet I only know like some of her famous quotes and some things she did and from what I saw she seemed like a badass um but yeah I can't really speak too deep on it because I should be paying more attention to supreme court justices they're once they're appointed they're in forever hence the panic amongst some right now and um You know, I do recall, like, the Brett Kavanaugh thing. I mean, basically, I just remember the SNL sketch where Matt Damon played him (laughs) and was just, like, pounding beers. (laughs) You remember that? Slamming brewskis. Yeah, totally. And he, like, pulled out a calendar. I I was drinking beers. I was... What was he saying? Like, just, like, brewskis with the boys. And he was, like, crying. (laughs) Some some cold ones with the boys. How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so for my, for our beloved international listeners, just to put things in perspective a bit, so the United States government, right, has three branches, the executive branch, that's the 
commander-in-chief, the president and his administration, as the executive branch. And then there's uh, Congress. Uh, and then there's the legis or excuse me, Congress is the legislative branch. And then there's the judiciary, right? So the Supreme Court is, as the name suggests, the highest court in the land. And as my co-host just said, the the appointments to the court of nine, there are nine seats on this court, are lifetime appointments. So what that means is that when a person gets appointed to the Supreme Court, they will have influence for decades and decades. So the our fearless leader, shameless leader, uh, now will it's looking like he'll get to name his third appointment um, in his first term, which is very unusual. It's not common for a president uh, to get to name, appoint, or put up a name that has to go through the Senate, get approved through the Senate uh, for the, the court. So the fact that this is happening, uh, especially with someone who is like a titan of uh, liberal causes, civil rights, abortion rights, LGBTQ issues, um, all sorts of uh, causes that are um, near and dear to the left, to the Democrats, and also just like equity, <laughs> freedom, equity, uh, civil rights, uh, that's going to be called into question in a big way. Um, also, if the election is contested, which it likely will be, uh, for those folks listening internationally in the year 2000, you may remember the Bush versus Gore election came down to the hanging chads in the state of Florida. And so the Supreme Court ultimately decided uh, that uh, Bush was president. So now that the court is at eight seats currently because RBG just passed away, um, there's a lot of a lot of factors uh that are going to be kind of battled out over the course of the next month or so. Right. And like what I do know is there's immediately um, hypocrisy coming from bitch McConnell's mouth. I was telling my co-host when um, his tweet and statement came out, um, like, do you remember? I don't even know when it was, maybe like 2012, but for some reason, McConnelling was a thing, kind of like Rick Rolling, um, except mm -hmm. <laughs> they were just like dub uh, this campaign video of McConnell to absurd songs and obscene songs. Um, those of the likes, I'm not even going to say out loud because it's <laughs> grotesque, but it's so funny. And actually, this will tie into our um, our topic later on about deep fakes because this is so early on. It was just a song, you know, dubbed over the ad, but in now they could have made it look like he was singing these songs. Um, mm -hmm. So that's whack. But yeah, anyway, he uh, he um, made a statement following her death, and it was pretty crass because in the little statement it just said like yeah so sad too bad whatever and then underneath it said and you best believe we're gonna let our president push through his nominee and actually this is different than 2016 when Obama was suggesting um someone to be appointed to the supreme court and we wouldn't consider it because 
he was a last-term president. I believe he called him a lame duck president in that um, statement. But it just shows you, like, the utter hypocrisy again. And that's why it gets to a point where I can't debate with some people because it's just, like, if you're going to keep defending him on that, like, sure, the circumstances may not be exactly the same, but allegedly RBG said she wanted to um, wait to be replaced, like, once there was a new president in office. Mm-hmm. Right. And to clarify the timing for folks, it was not even 90 minutes after this poor women's after news broke, at least that she passed away. Her body was not even cold yet before Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, bitch McConnell, a.k.a. Moscow Mitch, (laughs) tweeted this very just shameless, inhumane statement about, oh, she going to get replaced real quick here. Uh, So, yeah absolutely in insane but you know he's always been about just brute power like that's all he wants um and now there's gonna be a big old big old brewing battle babbling brook here in the (laughs) final 44 days before the election holy shit only 44 days uh well yeezus help us all um we should do a quick quick update on him but before that to follow up with what you said it's really sad when trump sort of shows more grace than mitch mcconnell because um i saw him uh some reporter like caught him i don't know where the fuck he was but they were just like oh what do you think about her death and he's like this is the first time I'm hearing about... Th- I wish I could do, like, an uh, an accurate impression of him. I'm not going to try. He's just like, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. And then, you know, at least he just, like, was like, yeah, no matter what side um, that you're on politically, you have to, like, respect that this is an amazing woman. Or He, he didn't say that exactly, but he kept it short and sweet and classy, at, at least for once, for me to say that mm-hmm. is big. Um, he didn't, like, swiftly follow it like McConnell did with, like, a, Haha, I'm gonna fuck shit up even more for the years to come now. Um, but, yeah, that was actually surprising <laughs> that he showed a slight amount of grace. It was a glimpse of, like, humanity from him. A rare glimpse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was, like, oddly refreshing, yeah. but, like, also kind of shocking. Because he, he, he was caught off guard, and he actually did seem... Uh, in the moment, um, human. <laughs> exactly. And unless that was a deep fake video, but we'll have to explore that later. Um, but then the other things I have to, you know, obviously give her props for, even though I don't, I don't know her life story super in depth, but I do know that she was a pioneer and when a long time before women even studied law, it wasn't like common. You would just become a housewife. Like she was a pioneer and a trailblazer and I think whether you agree with all of her decisions or not like that in and of itself as a woman as a feminist should be celebrated and appreciated and also she was interesting because she had like a good relationship with a conservative supreme court justice who died in the 90s I think 94 it was um justice Scalia am I saying that right Scalia yes yeah yeah Yeah, they actually had like a good friendship despite intellectually 
disagreeing. And um, NPR did a short little piece about it, and I thought it was really charming because that's what we need, like, more unitedness, less divisiveness. Totally, 100%. So, yeah, definitely trailblazing icon, pioneer. She was, like, top of her class, couldn't even get a job out of law school because these big law firms, like, like we don't hire women. And she um, wasn't actually on the short list in the 90s under Bill Clinton when a seat became open. And, uh, yeah, she was she was chosen and really rose. And I want to bear in mind that, like, she was widely influential, which is even more impressive because she was in the minority. So really since the 90s, the Supreme Court has been uh, five to four conservative. Um, and so she wielded a lot of influence and unity in her like dissenting opinion. So um, yeah, essentially like what a fucking baller how, and she became this like, kind of pop culture icon in the last five, 10 years of her life, which is, she seemed to relish in that. So definitely a major loss and very stressful because, you know, Trump will go away in the next couple months or in the next four years, but his appointments, his, you know, packing all the courts and especially putting three people on the court, potentially we're going to like they'll be around to like the 2040s, 2050s. So like this whole fucking half a century will be influenced by what he's doing with the Supreme Court to put things in perspective for folks. If there is a world or United States to live on since he is uh, Trump's deregulating, continues to deregulate and dismantle so many environmental um, safeguards. But yeah, it's just really interesting because... um, it's just hypocritical once again it's i just have to bring it back to mitch mcconnell for one second because their argument part of their argument with obama like i said they were like this is your last term you need to focus on that um again literally the same circumstances for trump if not many more dire things he should be focusing on right at this moment um Mm -hmm. but also what we need to know is like my co-host said we already had like a cons- more conservatives in the Supreme Court, which is um, threatening to women for like pro-choice, um, threatening to LGBTQ community, and way, way more. But what's hypocritical is that in 2016, um, Mitch was like, "Oh no, Obama, you can't, you can't want to appoint a Democratic." Um, or, like, well, remember, like, the judicial branch is supposed to be non-partial, but they all have, like, leanings. Um, so mm-hmm. I do want to say that. <laughs> they need to work on being more uh, that part because it's mm-hmm. not really impartial. But anyway, so they're like, you can't pick someone more liberal-leaning. Um, it's not fair. At that point, the Republicans uh, own the House, right? And so he was like, that's not fair. But now it's like Republicans have the House and the presidency, and they want to put a conservative judge in, but somehow that is A-OK. They'll justify anything. It's, oh, anything, anything. It's all about pure power for him, for sure. So it's a really good point. And yeah, as my co-host said, like, the short list of people that he's put out there, and this is even prior to RBG's death, is pretty... Uh, 
chilling, um, like Roe v. Wade, which is uh, essentially what uh, enabled uh, legal abortion in this country, is like hanging on a thread here. If you look at this this list, uh, one of the women that's in the top of the list here, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, she's like a devout Catholic. She seemingly appears to be in some sort of Catholic cult that's not unlike... Um, God, what's that show with the visors that, um, on Hulu, uh, Handmaiden's Tale? Oh, yeah, Handmaiden's Tale. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, she's, like, straight up, like, has handmaids, uh, or something in her cult, and it's, anyway, it looks as though, like, abortion may get, uh, butchered in this country, yeah. (laughs) Interesting, abortion may get butchered in this country, you say? (laughs) Yikes, that was a bizarre turn of phrase, for sure. Just joshing you. Um, but yeah, that's scary. I mean, here... Abortion's going to get ripped out of the womb of this country. With a coat hanger. I mean, what? Um, <laughs> I did not say that in a bathtub. I mean, what? Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just surprised that he, you know, didn't suggest the fucking my pillow guy. Right? I know. Like, I'm imagining just like a line of... Um, just various villains, uh, you know, interviewing for his nomination for the Supreme Court. We got the My Pillow guy. Uh, you know, we have just like a, a shark with like a shotgun. You know, like just <laughs> very, just and a patch various on. Uh, evil folks. Batch of misfits for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt for sure. So yeah, that we'll definitely unpack that more on future episodes. It's going to become a a major um, issue leading up to the election. And the final thing I guess I'll say about that now is the re- one of the reasons why this gave me chills is that this is exactly somehow with his bizarre luck, this is exactly what Trump needs right now uh, with forty four days to go. This is going to really um, fire up his base even more. Evangelicals who place Supreme Court and judicial appointments really high up on their priority list. So this is really helpful to Trump, just to spell that out very plainly and clearly for folks. The fact that this lifetime appointment now is becoming available. So more to come in the future. Uh, But yeah, we do have a packed episode here. So we're going to kind of transition into... Uh, a range of topics that relate to uh, technology, social media, and as my co-host said, uh, deep fakes. Yes, 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 yes. So to kick things off um, a little bit on a light note, there have been a number of videos going around uh, the interwebs in, in recent years. And there's even like, you know, filtered options on like Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and stuff like that, uh, where you can like transpose, you know, your own face onto, let's say, the face of a celebrity or well-known figure or politician or something like that. Um, So to step back a bit here, deep fakes are essentially artificial uh, videos is the the most simple way to to put it right. um there altered. have been uh yeah go for it i was just saying like altered yeah altered right and and sometimes they're altered um in ways that are 
benign. Like there was this one of uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi in which like she appeared drunk because the pitch of the audio was changed and the um, the uh, the speed of the video was slowed down as well. Um, so you know, manipulated media is nothing new, right? This has been the case for photography since the inception of photography hollywood of course has been using big budgets to uh create you know universes and fantasies and all that uh but deep fakes are relatively new uh with the advent of artificial intelligence so it uses you know machine learning deep learning um as well as artificial intelligence to really convincingly uh, make it seem uh, as if something happened that didn't happen. To put this in a little bit of context, I just want to offer a quick anecdote of how this plays out in the real world. Because, of course, humans being humans, like this has been used predominantly for like porn and uh, memes and like funny shit on the Internet. Uh, but this also is having a real world, like political, cultural, societal implications. And I just want to give you a quick uh, story of, of something that happened related to deep fakes. So I might be mispronouncing this country's name, but uh, in Central Africa, there's a small country called Gabon. And in late 2018, uh, Gabon's president, Ali Bongo, um, had not been seen in public for months and months. So rumors were swirling that uh, Bongo was not healthy enough to be in office and also that he perhaps had died. So in order to like allay the concerns and reassert Bongo's leadership over the country, his administration announced that he would give a nationwide televised address on New Year's Day. So New Year's Day came around. The rumors were still swirling. Is he dead? Is he sick? Can he leave this country? In this video address, which is online, you can find it. Again, the country is Gabon and the president's Ali Bongo, B-O-N-G-O. In this address, he uh, appears really kind of all over the place. He's like stilted. His speech is unnatural and his facial mannerisms are, he doesn't look good. Let's just to put it bluntly, but he, it's very bizarre uh, manner of presentation and in, in speech. And so the video uh, on this address on uh, New Year's day was basically inflamed the suspicions that the government was hiding something from the public so Bongo's political opponents declared that the footage was a deep fake and the president was incapacitated or dead. So rumors of all this conspiracy spread quickly on social media. And so the political situation in this country of Gabon rapidly deteriorated. And so within a week, the military launched a coup. The first is since 1964 in that country citing this New Year's video as proof that something was amiss with the president. So uh, it, the coup was unsuccessful, but it definitely had real-world consequences. And the, the wild part about this anecdote is that, to date, <laughs> uh, experts in deepfake technology, uh, AI technology, 
cannot definitively say whether or not this New Year's video was authentic. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, when you were, you know, setting that scene there about Bongo, I was like, Kim Jong-un, that you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Doesn't it sound exactly like the Kim Jong-un situation in North Korea? Totally. Is he dead? Is he alive? We don't know. And I just think it's really interesting. If they made a, a deep fake of him and it, and it sounded like off and wonky um, and made him seem like kind of sickly anyway, why couldn't they have just made him sound good? Do you think maybe they just didn't have the tech? Right. Exactly. Great question. <laughs> so as you can imagine, like for folks who have or have not seen these deep fakes, um, you know, the wheels may be turning with this story that I just told. There are so many ways in which this could play out in a significant political way. Uh, for instance, in America in 2020, we have an election coming up in, in 44 days. Um, I, I want to discuss with my co-host here shortly, like some potential things that could go down. I just want to feed you this quote really quick. This is uh, by a, a guy named David Doerman, who's the director of Artificial Intelligence Institute at the University of Buffalo. So he's like a leader in the field. Um, and he basically said uh, about, uh, in relation to deepfakes, he said, quote, a lie can go halfway around the world before the truth can get its shoes on. <laughs> so I bring that up because, you know, in the, in the last 18 months, last year, last six months, there's been a lot of a lot more articles about deepfakes and specifically their implications for, say, a 2020 election surprise. Um, now, a lot of tech firms, Amazon, Microsoft, and others have launched basically in the public interest, allegedly, uh, these various tools and like public service campaigns to detect, to better detect if a video is a deep fake or if it's authentic. So to basically suss out, has this been manipulated at all? And so the idea is that using this technology, they would be able to like put a banner, much as much like what Twitter and Facebook does, that they would be able to let people know, a viewer of a certain video, that, hey, this has been manipulated or this is a deep fake or something along those lines. But here's the fucking thing. This technology is moving so quickly from my understanding, even in the past several months, like it went from pretty like uh, questionable, like pretty rough uh, to like increasingly much more persuasive and, and undetectable. Meaning like the average lay person seeing a video cannot tell at all that it has been manipulated. Mm, that is chilling to the bone. The rise of the deep fakes truly is another threat to our democracy, as if we didn't already face enough. But yeah, I think why um, you alluded to the technology moving so quickly, and, and that's because um, these altered videos are produced by the AI using neural networks. Um. So, like you were saying, that's machine learning. Um, sounds almost like what a brain does. But, yeah, just 
it's just very interesting. It's like the same technology that's also behind um, the Snapchat and Instagram filters. Um, but yeah, it's like these days we at first we started to see uh, people just making uh, face swaps. So yeah, like my co-host said, funny funny stuff like. Oh, gosh, I wish I could think of a good example, but there's just, just so many, like, absurd... I have one. Oh, Steve perfect. Buscemi's face on Jennifer Lawrence's body accepting the Golden <laughs> Globes award was one that was went viral. Yeah. Okay, that's the perfect mental image with those Steve Buscemi bedroom <laughs> eyes. Um, yeah, so, like, something like that, but now we're seeing more, like, what I was talking about at first, making the faces move to match the audio, and, like, my co-host said, it's getting... It's getting harder to tell, and like he said, um, there's some very real-world consequences. Like, it's already hard enough to debunk disinformation, and this just causes more chaos and more confusion. There's even, you know, free apps on your phone. You can get, like, literally fake app where you can do this yourself. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's no legal tool against creating deep fakes. Um and like you said, people did it for porn, and I just want to explain, like, a lot of people were superimposing celebrities' faces onto, like, women or men who have similar builds to them, and that's very problematic, but, um, yes, mm-hmm. this has further implications. It can happen to you or me. Oh, for sure, right. A, a personal, private contact, right? An ex or something like that. So, it, yeah, of course opens up this Pandora's box of uh, legal, ethical uh, issues around consent and all that stuff. The other wild part, in addition to like, you know, all of the personal uh, issues, political issues, is this other kind of broader landscape we find ourselves in, which is like, can you trust anything? Like this whole post-truth era. One other element about this, which I found fascinating in my research, is this like secondary phenomenon that is already underway related to deep fakes. And potentially, you could argue it's more dangerous than the actual existence of deep fakes themselves. It's called the liar's dividend. So this is very popular, apparently, in deep fake research circles. But essentially, what the liar's dividend is, is that the mere existence of deep fakes, the fact that they are out there and known gives more credibility to denials. Meaning because deep fakes are around and exist and are known about, it's easier for, let's say, a political candidate who's caught on tape to, let's say, convince voters at a press conference that they're innocent, even if they are guilty, because people have learned that they can't believe their eyes anymore. So now, not only do deepfakes themselves cause issues, the fact that they exist in relation to regular videos of people caught on tape, caught on camera saying things, much like, for instance, Mitt Romney in 2012, when he said that 47% of Americans are on the dole or on government assistance, and that kind of tanked his campaign. That really happened. Um, but people can point to, and it's easy to imagine 45 being like, I never said that or some bullshit, right? Oh, of course. Cause he pulls that all the time. Already. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And speaking of him, I want to give like a mild example of a, a deep fake or at least I guess altered video. 
So Trump himself um, tweeted recently, uh, this he retweeted rather, this altered video of Joe Biden uh, when Biden was trying to uh, win over Latino votes. Um, and Trump said something above the video. First, he, I think he did a tweet and delete, and he was like, what's this about? Because I don't even know if he himself knew it was altered media. But then he ended up re retweeting it um, and then saying something about, like, China's loving this or, or he's handing, he'll hand the U.S. to China. And basically the video, the real video, was Biden playing on his, uh, putting his cell phone speaker up to the podium and playing Despacito, 2017's worst summer anthem, mainly sang by white Canadian... Justin Bieber, um, but anyway, he was like, because literally Biden was cringe already, the real footage, he's like, listen to this, I know what you guys like, I'll have something you guys like, and it's this, um, Oof. but anyway, the, uh, like you were talking about, this is an example of, you know, in the tweet, the video did say below it on, it on Twitter, it had a warning that it was altered media, but, you know, the damage is already done, and some of his base, I saw the comments, like, they just weren't getting the joke. <laughs> they were just like, yeah, oh, I didn't even mention the joke. So the joke, the video was that um, they dubbed over Despacito and they put fuck the police. So like The NWA track? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Classic. And to your point, right, it's like the damage is already done. It's like, even if... Assuming that the detection uh, mechanisms, right, these tools that are um, on these social media platforms, assuming that that it did detect it, that it was fake or manipulated, that's one thing that that needs to happen first. Second, that the disclosure even matters to someone consuming the media, right? Because ultimately, confirmation bias plays its role, right? And so, for folks who let's say in this example on the right, do believe that sleepy Joe Biden is experiencing cognitive decline. They see this video or wants to defund the police in this example, actually there, yeah. it doesn't fucking matter that they see a banner underneath it. Right. That says this has been manipulated. I guess this kind of relates to the other example I was thinking of recently related to, to Joe Biden, which was that a manipulated video that made it seem it combined a couple different videos, but out of context and made it, seemed as if he fell asleep um at a um in like in front of a bunch of people basically um so yeah i mean it's it's kind of it's fodder for how whatever you believe right whatever your political persuasion is if you see something that in a very like dramatic or maybe comical or ridiculous uh, way makes your point or confirms your viewpoint then you're gonna fucking spread that shit around right Mm -hmm. It's just uh, that echo yeah, chamber. It, it reminds me that Twitter recently came out uh, or some research about Twitter came out that says that uh, uh, this is in the broader uh, context of fake news, uh, but that, uh, yeah, fake news spreads like six to seven times faster on Twitter than a regular news item. So it's easy to imagine, you, my co-host said the damage is done. If it's, let's say, November 1st, November 2nd, you know, the day or two days before the election, and a video comes out, you know, that's going to sp sp 
spread like wildfire and the damage will already have been done, right? Once people see it, that's kind of all that matters, right? Right. And in this case, it's just forwarding that totally fake idea that Trump's base is just eating up, that that Biden is radical enough to defund the police. What the fuck? He's a neoliberal. He would never fucking do that. Right. I know. My, my co-host and I texted that, like, Biden is basically, like, a 90s Republican. Like, he would have been on the right. I mean... Yeah, it's he's a total neoliberal for sure. He's definitely not far left by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but yeah, it plays into the whole narrative that 45 is spinning. And another like couple ideas here too, it's not just that, okay, deep fakes of Trump, of Biden could circulate in October or right before the election. It could be that it's of a, let's say, an election official in a a black neighborhood of Detroit coming forward on election day to say that there are threats to voting. The machines aren't working. There are people with guns at the polling sites or something like that to intimidate people, prevent people from showing up to the polls or another election official in let's say fucking Philadelphia, which is also in a swing state uh, to say that, um, Ballots were miscounted or uh, there was some interference with the tabulation of certain ballots. Um, So there's so many, you know what I mean? Like there's so many fucking ways for this to play out and to call into question uh, the legitimacy of the election results. And that could happen in November and December. We have no idea how long this is going to fucking take for us to know who won. Yeah, exactly. So this is just another complicating factor. And yeah, it's just interesting because we chose to do um, this episode as kind of like a smorgasbord of like the um, technological dangers and possible threats that we're facing at this moment. And deep fakes are certainly one. Um, And they tie into um, pretty much every other topic that we want to discuss. Do we want to do like the TikTok Oracle one next? What do you think? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to give people like what's the the background on Oracle? Uh. So. Basically, well, stepping back a little bit even further for those folks who didn't follow the news, essentially back in August, I believe, um, Trump, uh, we've been saying for months now that one of his campaign messages is to paint Biden as soft on China and to paint himself as being as you know, particularly tough on China. So, um, one thing that he did as like a wedge issue, um, is to come out against, um, TikTok and basically say due to national security concerns, um, that they would need to essentially ensure that their American operations were taken over by an American firm. Uh, yeah. Um, So a couple companies came forward, including Microsoft, including Oracle, and also Walmart to uh, bid, basically, to play that role as a, like, technology partner and and so on. And so more recently, um, 
the app was supposed to be banned as of today, Sunday, but within the last 24 hours, it appears that 45 has approved in concept this Oracle slash Walmart bid to take over the American operations of TikTok. Right, after threatening that... Uh, this Sunday, we're recording Sunday, but this Sunday, Sunday was supposed to be like, um, oh, nobody else can download um, TikTok off the App Store if you're in America. And for those of us who already have installed, we were told that we won't be able to um, download any of the updates. So essentially, you wouldn't be able to use the app after some time. Um, because it would just become, like, too buggy or, like, incompatible. So that's what we were all um, geared up for. But, again, it's just another, like, smoke and mirrors play. And this topic is so, um, so much more complicated. And Oracle is, like, a weird company. They had something weird going on, like, with Amazon, um, something some jedi it was like something amazon was bidding on um i'll have to look look into that more but yeah i think it's interesting that oracle and walmart ended up getting it instead of microsoft oh for sure yeah and i mean just the data alone i think there's 120 million american users of tiktok which is one of the fastest growing uh apps of all time the the clip at which it it has uh gained new users has been like really astonishing not to mention as we mentioned back in i think june june july that trump has it out for tiktok because he got embarrassed by a mobilization effort of young uh gen z activists using tiktok to uh basically fuck up one of his rallies in July by having tens of thousands of people register to attend this rally, even though they didn't show up. So he uh, was really caught off guard and pissed off by that. Uh, So something tells me that that also is a lingering element too, because there's a lot of anti-Trump sentiment on TikTok for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Funny aside, I just heard um, in Staten Island uh, people were saying like, ah, oh, let's do the same thing with this upcoming Trump rally. And uh, they caught on and now they're charging five bucks per seat. Mm-hmm. So they're wise <sighs> to the game now. Um, but wait, how did how did the Zuck uh, tie into all of this? Yeah, so over the summer, there was a lot of tech titans, if you will, on the hill. Uh, So like head of uh, Alphabet and Google and Twitter and Facebook uh, had to testify before Congress for this kind of broader antitrust uh, investigation. But one thing that's been happening uh, during that and really throughout this year is Zuckerberg... (laughs) Uh, or the, you know, the, uh, fembot formerly known as the man, Mark Zuckerberg, um, <laughs> talk about AI, Christ, yeah, trans- I mean, those shark eyes, he does not even look real, any like a real human anymore. He had a slip um, up where he's like, when I used to be a human, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> back when I was a boy, <laughs> when I used to be a man. Um, and also that like surfing, uh, shot of him, uh, in Hawaii recently over the summer. I don't know if anyone is, 
I actually encourage uh, listeners for just a quick laugh to like quickly Google like Zuckerberg surfing sunscreen. I'm sure that will yield <laughs> the image I'm talking about. But his fucking face, his entire face, he's like surfing out in the ocean, is covered with like SPF like 350. Like he looks ghostly white and he's looking off into the camera. It's like truly a haunting image. Um, but anyway, to get back to what my co-host was referring to, essentially Zuck has been feeding, uh, and his whole team of lobbyists have been feeding, uh, Congress this idea that TikTok is a national security issue, um, for, you know, the Chinese state, essentially that their algorithm and the data that they're collecting uh, is a threat to the American government, American democracy, yada, 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 which is real rich considering that Facebook is almost singularly responsible for the erosion of American democracy, but more on that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially it's worth pointing out that Zuckerberg who, you know, clearly given the moderation directives given to his teams is, um, well, I could say this politely, which is like, directly uh, enabling and condoning hate speech is <laughs> a nice way to put it um, that, yeah, he, he also wants the business too, because Instagram, which Facebook owns just rolled out reels, which is a direct replica of TikTok. Um, so all of that to say Zuckerberg successfully at least convinced Trump that TikTok is a as a threat <laughs> to uh, to America. Yeah. Yeah, Zuckerberg has a lot to gain, and I'm looking at the time, and I realize this is going to be a super deluxe episode. So you're all welcome because we still have a lot to talk about. But I mm-hmm. want to back back it up real quick to talk about like some really quick background about the Zuck. Although I feel like that could definitely be a whole episode in and of itself, but just for, um, those who aren't familiar, um, with him, his official story, um, he supposedly was able to come up with this source programming code that made social media scalable, and, um, he was able to do this during, like, finals week, um, and partying all the time, and he managed to solve this problem that the NSA's program LifeLog couldn't even solve. And what's ironic is that the Pentagon killed that project, LifeLog, the same day the Facebook page went live, the Facebook website. So people say, just like with Elon Musk and just like with um, Gates and Microsoft, I'm sure people also must say that about Bezos and maybe even Steve Jobs too, but these are all supposedly like really started by the CIA. And we've talked about this in previous episodes about Gates, like this whole um, PR story we've been sold where it's just like the boy genius in the garage or in the college dorm um, was able to solve problems the NSA couldn't in like three days during finals. Um, it's just interesting. So, allegedly, there was this dossier that came out, um, allegedly by an ex-lover of Zuckerberg's, and it basically said that Larry Summers, who was the Harvard president at time, um, was kind of shaping 
Zuckerberg um, to be this character that he is today, the founder of Facebook. And Summers had this social media project that was funded by DARPA and the CIA and IBM. So you have to remember, at, at Harvard, a lot of, um, and at many universities, like, work a, do projects funded by CIA and things like that. But it's interesting, it was also funded by IBM. And um, it was supposedly also organized with the Department of Defense Office of Net Assessment. And in 2017, there was an article in The Guardian, and the founding president, Sean Parker, which you might remember uh, from, at least for me, from the movie mm -hmm. Social Network, he mm -hmm. is, um, he was the Napster, the guy who created Napster, which, you know, people say uh, changed the music industry forever, like the free um, upload and downloading so anyway, he was one of the founding presidents, but in this article, he admits that pretty much every Big Brother scenario or rumor that is out there about Facebook is true and even worse than we could imagine. And um, he also said, quote, all of our minds can be hijacked and we're not as free as we think we are. And that he's like ashamed of what they did at Facebook. So I'm surprised he's still alive right now. Truly. And on that note, uh, even in the last couple of weeks, um, a former Facebook engineer has come forward with this like splashy expose on all of the shit that they cover up and turn the other way on related to, you know, very well-known politicians, governments around the world. It's like really shocking to read that shit. But, you know, you see these these reports coming out, not only from, as Mikos is saying, co-founders but also recent uh engineers and leaders at the company as well yeah pretty eerie and pretty damning and it just kind of harkens back to like our discussion of Shadowgate and what role social media plays in that right oh absolutely and one terrifying recommendation i have to offer to our listeners is this documentary on netflix that is kind of all the rage right now uh called the social dilemma that really uh in great detail unpacks uh ai uh, as well as um how big tech uh essentially not only excavates human thought but um really drives our perception and kind of is shifting our our realities in very finely tuned and strategic ways it's really interesting that netflix would even put out this documentary and i shamefully still need to see it part of me is just still reeling from shadowgate but as someone mm -hmm. in the minority who's watched both films how would you say they stack up together are the claims of shadowgate sort of um divulged in this netflix doc or not really i would say shadowgate was uh even juicier just in the back channels and the specifics related to uh the government really um so yeah in that way i think shadowgate was like maybe even more explosive um but the social dilemma kind of really critiques the business model itself um, and how the business model that underpins really all of social media at this point 
is the existential, the ultimate existential threat to uh, democracy in a civil society. So, um, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. NBD. <laughs> well, something we'll forget about tomorrow when the news cycle keeps us riveted. Mm-hmm. Circles back through with the next fucking Supreme Court uh, nominee. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what's going on um, with TikTok, and it's here to stay, as for now. Um, But kind of in the same vein um, of technology being wielded against us at the hands of our own government, I want to talk about a little bit about the UFO sightings people have been reporting as of late, and then what that may indicate about possibility of Project Bluebeam. So, yeah, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of things. Speaking of TikTok, I saw a lot of videos on TikTok. Um, there's been, and just like all sorts of different kind of UFOs and weird lights over like Co- California, Colorado, Arizona, New Jersey, more and more. And it's funny because I saw a lot of really weird shit from many angles that was kind of baffling. Um, but uh, I, I randomly caught a l- few minutes of uh, the Today Show one morning, and they were like, they showed one video. I think it was the one from New Jersey, and it was blurry and stuff, but they were like, uh, of course, or this is a blimp. It, it was over the sports stadium. And, you know, that could be true. In the video they showed, it kind of looked like that. Um, but, you know, one video to purposefully debunk all of these real videos, that could be another smokes green tactic but um Mm -hmm. yeah you've been seeing some wild videos too right oh yeah so many my co-host got me on tiktok i think i finally committed back in june um but yeah i feel like since june but especially in like the recent weeks and i would say the last month or so there have been so many so many different videos reports from all over the world of these, and they all looked very different. Some of them look like uh, like jellyfish or like octopi in the sky. <laughs> um, and some of them look like, oh, that's 300 UFOs um, in the sky. So like there've been so many um, in, you know, the, you know, I'm just thinking in the context of deep fakes, it's like, oh, well, are they fake? It's like, well, I don't know. Maybe they are. Why would they be? Why would they be fake? Why would that help someone out? Ooh, now you're uh, tiptoeing on the Project Bluebeam wave. Um, but also, before we dive into that, I'm just wondering, like, recently, the or in the past few years, I know there were so many declassified CIA documents that actually did talk about, like, U.S. UFO disclosure and and I remember when Trump was running way back in the in the last millennia, 2016, <laughs> and um, and he was like, "If I'm in, I'm gonna tell everyone the truth about aliens." Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and yeah, and this was a news item that uh, wasn't even given really any attention back in June. What my co-host is saying that like, yeah, the Pentagon declassified a shit ton of documents that uh, essentially revealed in plain sight that yes, like the, the government, the Pentagon has been tracking 
numerous instances of UFO sightings and has like funds allocated to investigating what the fuck's going on. And like, because it's 2020, like that, it was like in the New York times, the Washington post, CNN, you know, it was Fox news, drudge report. And like, it was item number like 37 out of like all the other fucking mayhem four horsemen of the apocalypse that was going down that day or whatever. Which is absolutely absurd because if this had come out and say like 96, it would have been the only thing that was talked about. I feel. Yes. For like a year and a half, it would have been the top news item for so long. It just shows how like desensitized we are because everyone's just tired from being bombarded. And yeah, we talked, we alluded to it in this episode and we bring this up a lot, but that BBC documentary hypernormalization just encapsulates all of this so beautifully. Mm-hmm. So I would still encourage anyone or any new listeners to um, watch it. It just also gives you good global pretext for what's going on. And that's why also to anyone listening outside of the States, feel free to email us um, shocktherapypodcast at yahoo.com and let us know if there have been any recent like UFO disclosure in your country too, because I'm really curious about that. But yeah, Project Bluebeam, um, are these are these UFOs real? Are they not? If they're not, what purpose do they serve? Um, but a quick a quick aside right before that. Sometimes my co-host and I talk about like Lockheed Martin and um, other like aviation companies who are uh, work with the government and so let's just say like that we are like they have advanced way way advanced techno I can't even speak English they have a robot that can speak better than me but um I they have way further advanced technology than we could ever fathom so the crafts that they might have the spacecrafts might look alien to us so First, I want to put out that little disclaimer. Is that valid? No, 100%. And even to underscore that a bit more, just to like spell this out for people, like UFO stands for an unidentified flying object, right? And so I think there's in the like cultural imagination, I think people hear UFO and immediately they think of like aliens or men in black or something like that. But to be clear, UFO just simply means that there's a vessel in the sky that's unidentified. So as my co-host is saying that, yeah, advanced military spacecraft is uh, likely the culprit in a lot of these cases, right? Um, it's stuff that we don't, that's alien to us, just as my co-host said. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm sorry, I'm not even going to mince my words, but you're just naive if you think that our government isn't hiding at least 15 years ahead of the technology we have because, again, that would be a security threat and we, the lowly masses, um, need to be kept a step behind. Um, and and usually... Oh, in a, oh sorry, absolutely. go ahead. Oh, no, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say sometimes, like, that's why innovators get struck down because, um, for example, it's very random, but I was just thinking of some guy who made this, like, car work on water, basically, instead of oil, and he was killed or just died um, shortly after. So it's like they probably have all this technology, but they just want to keep it suppressed from us. 
Oh, for sure. You you pick an industry, and I can I can guarantee you, like pharmaceutical industry, like there are several cancers uh, whose uh, cures have been found decades ago that oh, were suppressed. You know, it's like there, you, you name it, you name it, like bank, yeah. And even like we talk about surveillance, capitalism on this podcast quite a bit. Um, just to be clear, like my co-host and I are just operating under the information that we are able to find, but like we're probably 10 years behind (laughs) where the federal government is at. You know what I mean? Like we, we really have no idea the extent to which, uh, yeah, various advanced technologies are being used. Yeah. We're definitely on the cutting edge, but (laughs) even, um, there's some things that it's like, uh, unless you can actually re- do remote viewing, which again, CIA declassified documents show that they have done experiments with that and it's proved correct. And just for people who don't know, remote viewing is like a psychic way to, you're, you'll be sitting somewhere and you can like view something happening across the world like you were there, um, pretty much. But yeah, things like that exist. Just so much more that we are taught um, isn't possible yet. But yeah, let's discuss um, Project Bluebeam a bit. So it's just funny because I I haven't seen the show, but I saw a clip of it. Um, It's on History Channel, and there's some drama based on true stories about CIA, MKUltra. um, And it's called Project Blue Book. So look that up if you're curious about Project Blue Beam. It's interesting. It's on the History Channel. Again, like, out in plain sight. I just have to say, as a quick side note, the History Channel has really been going for it in the last, like, five years. Like, Ancient Aliens, which, side note, I fucking love. But, like, they've really um, been, what's the word, Uh, liberal with their uh, interpretation of history and what that entails. Yes, well, well, this is, you know, based on a true story, so it's just interesting. Um, I think it's more interesting because, again, and on things like Ancient Aliens, I haven't seen, like, a ton of episodes. I actually found out it's still on. It's on its 15th season, but um, I, before, I I just seen them in, like, 2012, but even they, I mean, they do, I'm just surprised that that alternative perspective is being shown and of course it's still like watered down but I'm just surprised um they're showing that I mean you know a lot is conjecture but I mean the discoveries they talk about for example we're just talking about ancient aliens just like all of the different um creation stories indicating like Pleiadian alien involvement and things like that like that's just not pure speculation like that's historical fact that again like we're not Mm -hmm. taught we're not taught in school about that, but, um, you know, we don't know everything, but for some reason we know that these, like, star people, Pleiadians, are mentioned in, like, all these different places around the world around the same time, Sumerian tablets, all of these other mm-hmm. things. So it's just like, hmm, curious about that. Curious about that. How did those sculptures on Easter Island uh, make it there? Hmm. Curious about that. We still don't know. <laughs> and they're not just heads, right? Like, they're actually bodies. Yeah, bodies buried, yeah. And how did the pyramids get built when we don't have the technology today to do it that precise? Still, in 2020, don't have the technology to be that precise. 
And that's why I think also some people even take that for granted. Um, because that in mm-hmm. and of itself should be, as the Juggalos say, like a magical mystery. Like, what was their song? Like, Mysteries or something? Miracles. Mir- oh, right, right. I think on SNL it was like Magical Mysteries or something. Yes, There's yeah. Spook. Magnets, how do they work? Exactly. I mean, I don't know. But actually, if you think I about don't it, know. that's a really important question. Um, and Tesla knew a lot about that. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> back to Project Bluebeam. So this is a theory that in 1994, a guy named Serge Manas, yeah, I think it's Manas, a guy who also died um, in a suspicious way, uh, he was a writer and investigative journalist from Quebec, and he said supposedly there's this thing, Project Bluebeam, so just... Just if you're already doubting this, something that is a fact is that the Department of Defense spends millions of dollars to investigate UFOs. Um, They actually have a program called Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. So keep that in mind for the rest of the following that I'm going to say. So... This guy says that there's like a four-step process by NASA and the UN uh, to create this new world order slash new age religion um, by ushering in the Antichrist. Um, That meaning they Hmm. might use holographs in the sky to fake like an alien invasion or... Um, the Antichrist coming or the second come or fake the second coming of Christ. There's a few different theories on what they could do, um, but all have the same end goal of making people scared enough to unite as one, as a people of Earth, of the world against this UFO threat. Um, or they're either, it's that or there are going to be real aliens and they're preparing us for a legitimate invasion, uh, which there's so much predictive programming from, like, Independence Day to Men in Black to you name it, Mm -hmm. um, about things like that, but that just reminded me, uh, of War of the Worlds, so it's the Orson Welles book, Science Fiction, that was written in the late 1800s, but what's interesting is that, did you ever hear that in 1939, I don't know if it was all over the world, uh, I know it happened in this country too, maybe UK, I don't know. Um, But all of a sudden, like, just for our youngins here, if we have any, uh, TV wasn't a thing, so people would gather around, like, their large radios to hear stories, get their news, just like everything. So, one day, people turn on the radio, 1939, Orson Welles is reading War of the Worlds, except nobody knows it's fake. So, imagine Mm -hmm. just tuning in, and people are like, holy shit, there's an alien invasion? Um, So, yeah, that's a real thing. Like, no one, people were freaked out, and then it was just kind of like a prank. Or, or was it the government just testing out if how people would react, whether or not there would be uh, mass hysteria, you know? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember learning about that uh, in college. And, you know, it, it is 
on one hand, it's funny to imagine people at that time, uh, before the advent of like, you know, mass media and television, all that shit, listening to the radio and like actually flipping their shit and like running out of their house, like batting on the hatches, like all this shit. But yeah, I mean, I, if I remember correctly, like it did cause a, a bunch of mayhem. Like it didn't cause, I don't think street level violence, but people were pretty shook for a, a long period of time. And, um, I think people sought like psychiatric help, but uh, to your point around predictive programming, yeah, I mean, I could totally see it as a, a test, an experiment to see how people respond. I mean, as we talk about on this podcast, like predictive programming is rampant like we're experiencing it every day to some degree uh various tests um on how people respond to things that social dilemma documentary on social media is kind of all about this how our emotions in in reality are are played with but um yeah i mean i think if you look back going back to like the 30s and all of the media that's been produced since then there's a huge volume um, around aliens. Even Man on the Moon uh, was one of the first films ever was uh, kind of about that. So, yeah, I mean, I think people people are definitely increasingly um, ready for or curious about uh, UFOs and aliens. Even look back to last September, there's that Area 51 raid how many people showed up like it <laughs> oh, was like yeah. tens of thousands of stormed, yeah i yeah it's like talk about overhyped i don't think anything happened or if it did we didn't hear about it but it was like of course the same with anything in social media i think like millions of people signed up for the events mm. that they were gonna go but yeah only a brave few but yeah maybe even thousands what'd you say like tens of thousands no that, i don't know maybe it was just thousands um but yeah, Maybe I, I was confusing forgot. that with the Juggalo event. I'm sorry. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, Juggalo event was definitely tens of thousands. But yeah, I don't think a ton of people actually did show up. Yeah. Yeah, that that was, a, you know, a little womp womp. <laughs> um, but there's also two, like, whistleblowers I want to mention. Chris and Janet Morris, they were both members um, of the Council on Foreign Relations Independent Task Force on non-lethal weapons and this ties into project bluebeam because here we're talking about um using like the military using holographs holographic technology in the sky to divert attention of the enemy so this is something they considered doing in iraq they were going to make it seem like um an alien thing uh then they didn't but this just goes to show they they really are working on this and yeah when they say non-lethal weapons they're saying like oh well this is supposed to be instead of having to resort to like violence or shooting this is a, still a weapon because it's trying to scare the daylights of people uh scare the daylights out of people so that they can be controlled or again like I forget, there's this famous quote, but it's basically about, like, if you want to take, um, you want people, you don't want to coerce people, you want them to be begging for you to take their liberties because they're so scared. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be really disheartening if something like that were to happen because that's preying upon, like, the goodness of the normal people, <laughs> humanity. And, um... 
everyone would want to unite as one, that could be something beautiful, but then if it's orchestrated by nefarious forces, that's obviously something really dark. And so, you know, as always, this is just like presenting one lens that could possibly be the truth, but if there were aliens or or some kind of UFO shit to happen now, maybe if there are aliens, they might be intervening on Earth's behalf because we're fucking ourselves up right now. Maybe it's a good thing. I'm not a true believer. I don't know where I stand. I'm more on the on the feel of like, well, if there's been extraterrestrials here, um, this would be like, you know, obviously in some ways a really clutch time to come out, but also like, well, why are you coming out now adding to the madness? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. There's so many different perspectives on this, right? It's like, oh, some people think like, oh, well, humanity has had a, one of their most vulnerable points in recent memory. Maybe now would be a good time to intervene. But to your point, I think there's another whole camp of people that are like, bitch you showing up late to the party like what the fuck but also like now i mean can you imagine where it's november it's december we're in our second lockdown of the pandemic and then there's an emergency like live from the oval office uh politics aside but just like government officials leaders being like we have breaking news that we're live from a desert on the savannah of gabon and there's a fucking teleconference you know what i mean like <laughs> think about like what would you do like to, like let's say this happened tomorrow like what would you do immediately like with your family like this would certainly as you said it could be this moment of like unification and a breakthrough for humanity. Uh, but my now cynical ass, especially having just watched the social dilemma and all this shit, um, could certainly be used for like just rampant, uh, fear and divisiveness and, uh, fucking sheer chaos. Oh, oh yeah. As can like any of this stuff we've been talking about tonight. And, um, it just leads me to believe again, my cynical ass as well, to believe that this would be um, another um, attack or assault uh, on the American people at the hands of our government because this does all seem all too convenient, you know? It's like, again, the people who have been talking about this New World Order and also for people who are listening who don't know, it's like, Many politicians themselves have talked about this openly. I mean, George Bush has said it, um, and he's like, and we will be successful. And I'm talking OG George Bush, not George home Homework Bush, H.W. Um, but, which is just ironic. Um, but also, Reagan said it. Like, it's just, it's not something that's like conspiracy out of the thin air, right? But where it does get into conspiracy is if it's a nefarious New World Order. And um, the people who tend to believe that, you know, think of 2020 as, like, the culmination, right? Because mm -hmm. we had the pandemic, we have the civil unrest, which is only still getting, like, stoked and incited. And, um, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying is already kind of, like, incited threats of violence from both sides, mm -hmm. Um, as to the outcome of who, if Trump's going to be able to push someone in or not, both sides have been like, I'm going to burn this place down if X, Y, Z happens. 
So, yeah, it's all really scary. So those people tend to uh, believe that Project Bluebeam is like the cherry, the final thing, you know, the 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 pinnacle. This is what will finally usher in the New World Order. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I go back to the title of this podcast. Uh, and I, I honestly don't mean to bring her up every episode, but <laughs> she's, she influences she's a lot of how us. I see the world. But literally the whole premise of Naomi Klein's uh, shock doctrine is about just that. So getting back to what you're you're asking me is like, what do I think about potentially, uh, you know, uh, a showing um, a big event of like, extraterrestrials right uh in this in this year using uh as a way to install some broad swift uh series of actions related to the new world order i mean at the end of the day people as you said like creating these shocks these events that are um really disorienting um basically as you said putting people in a position where they're like, take my fucking liberties. You know what I mean? For the sake of like security and safety. It's not the way in which the way this fucking year has been going. Let me just spit it out. The way the fucking year has been going, it would honestly not shock me if that's the next plot twist. Um, Right. Uh, And I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Gates was involved with it either, to be honest. Uh, But yeah, talk about a a global widespread quick shock um, to really put people in their place, so to speak, and be highly compliant uh, to whatever is next. Yes. Yes. See, this is just... One potential, though, so I don't want to get uh, too down on it, but <laughs> it's a terrible segue for the last thing I want to talk about. I want to, of course, if you're still hanging with us by now, um, save the most outlandish theory, the black goo theory of everything, for last. And um, this just, you know, wraps this whole episode up perfectly because we're talking about technology also you know we've been hinting at it in this whole episode but it's like despite all of the other political social economical health things going on right now uh we were already in a world where ai was rapidly is rapidly advancing and you know quantum computers are advancing um sophia or robots like sophia um have been like touted out and there's probably way more from the last time I even checked because I think that Sophia thing came out in like 2017 but there's been talk you know by 2030 I believe or there's supposed some theorize that this that's the coming of the singularity or we joked about the Zuck saying like he's transhuman but that's supposedly you know when AI merges with human And we talk about the vaccine and, like, Gates a lot. And, you know, the RFID chip or the quantum dot that they're experimenting, this would literally make you transhuman. You wouldn't... Mm -hmm. Because it's altering your DNA and it's changing your blood and you would no longer be human. And um, that kind of ties into this black goo theory of everything. 
Um, it's one of the weirder theories I've heard, but once you know it, it kind of, yeah, goes with every other conspiracy it, it can be applied to, and it starts to make sense. So it's interesting, um, some people have drawn ties to biblical allusions about black goo, but I tend to not go too deep into the um, religious aspects, but look that up if you're interested. So what the hell is black goo? Uh, to put it simply, it's a sentient, inorganic, self-aware, programmable matter. So, it is a living form of crude oil. And some conspiracy theorists say, um, this is a way, like, the archons, which I think are another term for, like, I don't know, there's many different terms for whoever is really the Illuminati, and I think that these, like, Archon aliens are supposedly one, and, like, that's the theory that they've enslaved Earth, basically, and we're, yeah, we are their slaves. And so I'll tell you how this ties into it, but first, like, Black Goo, like, honestly, this is some X-Files shit. I, I know they definitely <laughs> have, right? No, but it was, like, I think it was on X-Files. Um, there were, like, people's eyes turning black and stuff. Like, that's to do with black goo. Like, when black goo gets inside of a person. Oh, shit, mm -hmm. yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And other people also say, like, that, hearkening back to our last episode, that's also potentially why um, chemtrails are harmful to humans because the fibers um and the little like smart dust gets into your blood and that's why some people have Morgellons disease but basically supposedly that's all priming us up to become one with this black goo and that's kind of how transhumanism will happen um but, but basically they only need the addition of DNA to make this happen, and it will be self-replicating, which means it could take over the whole ecosystem and pretty much everything. And, again, we talk about everything being presented in, like, a dual lens, because if we zoom out, before I get even more into black goo, let's zoom out for a second and say... Um, you know, growing up, we saw this movie, like, Smart House, and it seemed so cool, right? It was like the house had Alexa, but then some, like, the everything was talking. It backfired, actually. I think that movie was weird, but something bad happened in it. But anyway, um, a, a video I was just showing my co-host today, a short film called Hyper Reality, a film made by a uh, Colombian it was very interesting, and it's this short film that shows kind of, like, what the future could potentially be, and it's just shadows, like, this woman who's on a bus, and everything is augmented or virtual reality, like, you're on the bus, but, like, you're playing the same game, like, you would be playing on your phone, like, fucking Candy Crush or something, you'll be playing, like, in, in front of your eyes, Kind of like wearing the Google Glass, but like once the black goo is part of you or you're a transhuman, you have a chip, you could be like playing these in front of your eyes. You wouldn't need a device anymore. You are the device. And it was um, interesting because although it made things look really cute, kind of, it was like advertisements were everywhere. 
Um, and her system kept glitching. She had to do a job that it just told her to do. And she's like, are you sure I have to shop for this person's groceries? I have a master's or something. And they're like, yes, you do what the system tells you to do. And uh, then her, she keeps glitching her system and she's like losing all her points, which is her money, I guess. And it's just really scary because it's kind of like, you know, what could happen if this technology is in place to that extent. And then also if it's like gets hacked by someone or something like that, you could lose everything. Um, so that could potentially like these smart cities, things like that, like that all kind of has to go with the black goose stuff, too, um, because once it's sentient once it's been able to mix with DNA say maybe if one of these this is very outlandish but if one of these vaccines somehow incorporates black goo and that gets into you it mixes with your DNA because we know these vaccines have to do with RNA and that's never uh it's unprecedented but this could possibly be um the final step to have black goo be self-replicating and then there's also been instances of black goo falling on cities around the world. Like, look it up. There's many instances. Uh, and they say that this, if you're still confused, like, this oil is basically altered at a molecular level um, through nanotechnology and genetic engineering. Um, now, this uh, OG conspiracy theorist, David Icke, He's still around. People have been shitting on him for years, but he says this is all part of this blood-sucking reptilian matrix that they, the Archons, or whoever is in charge of the Illuminati, keep us trapped in through fear, anger, and misery, and they can feed off our life, life force. So if the black goo is like mixed with your DNA and inside of you, it could indefinitely feed off your life force. Um... Now, the theory is that every planet has black goo deep inside the core. And remember, this is oil. So in some ways, this is true because all living things, um, basically over millions of years, fossil fuel is made because, you know, nature transmutes dead animals and maybe humans into this black gold, into fossil fuel, um... And all these living things and the memories of them and the unresolved traumas are all what eventually makes this black gold that the world revolves around, this petrodollar that jokers like Rockefeller and Standard Oil have made sure that we don't deviate from. But it doesn't have to be this way. There's clean energy and many other things that have been suppressed, right? But for some mm -hmm. reason, this black goo keeps getting pushed and we also we talked about disclosure or predictive programming and we also see this with black goo because you will notice it's in movies such as lucy prometheus um alien covenant transformers 4 big hero 6 and in lots of other movies tv shows music videos video games um, some might say black goo is also actually antimatter. Um, Microsoft, Intel, and more are developing this synthetic biology as we speak. Of course, Microsoft is in on it. Uh, and as we know, recently Microsoft had a patent suggesting that they could mine cryptocurrency 
from the human body. So please don't ever forget that. Um, so basically, Oof. yeah, this theory is pretty scary. Um, I'd be interested to see how, because I know these theories I looked into in like 2017, but I wonder if anyone synthesized it with like Corona and what's going on now. I know people make a lot of ties with that in 5G, but it seems kind of out there, but, um... There's a lot of evidence we're not too far off from that. And actually, there's a lot of people in the public speaking about programmable matter. I mean, I've seen TED Talks and countless other things where they even do demos. And it sounds really cool. And it could be really cool. And I think even Elon Musk said something to the effect when he was like high on Joe Rogan's podcast that technology itself wouldn't really be the danger, but it's more of, like, what humans can do against other humans with that technology. That could be the danger. Um, so I know it seems like a very outlandish theory, but when you start thinking about it, it there's a lot that's interesting about it. Oh, for sure. And, you know, one thing I like to go back to is just what has transpired in our lifetimes, right? Like for three decades in roughly like 10 years ago, if you were to go back 10 years, uh, there's so much that uh, is ingrained in our daily lives that we could not have fathomed uh, being a part of our daily reality. So as much as it may be tempting to be like, this sounds ridiculous or far-fetched or uh, what have you. Remember, like, we're on this, like, exponential curve right now of technological innovation, right? And so every, like, few years that goes by, like, we are, like, rapidly evolving, especially with the advent of AI. So everything that you're saying, it, it is intriguing to me for sure. Um, especially with this notion, this like black goo theory of everything, this notion that, uh, this like synthetic kind of nano embedding within our own vessels, our own flesh vessels. Um, it, it seems like that's the next natural step. We'll look back at these smartphones and like laugh because we will, the singularity is upon us, right? Like pretty soon. And like, it will be one and the same. Uh, it won't be external. Uh, there might still be some external computers, but it will by and large be like all contained and morphed within the individual. Yeah, unless you are able to somehow opt out and get off. And the I wonder, grid. like, will that create two classes of people? You know, mm -hmm. we talk about this like uh, Coke and Pepsi, like Democrat Republican thing, right? Like this like binary thinking, binary choice. Uh, but I wonder, on the note of like categories and like specifically classes of people. I well, do you think like in the future, like in our lifetimes, there will be almost like stigma and discrimination against like people that are just like human beings that that oh, haven't definitely. you know taken uh taken upon themselves to embed technology in their own vessels? You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're just a fucking you know human or whatever. There'll probably be some slang term for it, right? So true. There probably is. Yeah, because like. All of this biohacking, 
Um, it sounds cool in some ways. Like I said, there could be weird moral or ethical Im implications or implications on your soul slash consciousness, but it will create a further divide because one, if it's first, you know, if it's first not accessible to everyone because it's too expensive, I mean, first we know the wealthy will have it and use that to their advantage. And that could be, you know, technology that helps increase your longevity or makes you super sonic, um, fast ass runner. I don't know, like able to hold your breath underwater. And obviously, yeah, that can pose a huge threat to us like normal humans. Um, and yeah, just to back up a little bit, like I was saying, some, there are some cool practical applications of programmable matter and it could really go either way because it could make your life a lot easy, easier. Like I saw this demo, this guy was talking about like, oh, if you're hosting a dinner party at your house and you don't have a, um, an extra chair, you know, there's, there's this programmable black goo you use to make the chair and the there's the chair the person comes use it and then technology to make that dissolve back into the black goo you store that away for later you don't need to have an extra chair taking up space and you can make many things um to customize and tailor to you like i also saw um demonstrations of a desk that was programmable and this woman walks up to it and whatever device you put down on it like a book or a cup like the surface um, the topography of the uh, desk changes to suit your needs so all that sounds pretty cool but yeah this could further the class divide like you were kind of mentioning yikes I can honestly see the ads right now like this fall, introducing state-of-the-art, on-demand goo technology. This cutting-edge development. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Presented um, by Google. Get it? Ooh. Yeah, for all you Bing freaks out there, let's not forget that fucking one of the most powerful companies in the world is Google. But isn't Bing powered by, like, Microsoft or some shit? I think so. Yeah, they got their <sighs> own fucking agenda. We need to do a future episode on Bing. Bing it's a lose lose. Ask Jeeves. Yeah. Yeah, Yandex, the fucking Russian search engine. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a lot to use. But yeah, so a lot to ponder about where technology is steering us and how that could add even more chaos to this wonderful election. <laughs> Yes, and we've definitely we covered a lot of ground on this uh, deluxe episode, planted a lot of seeds that we will certainly uh, harvest in future episodes because a lot of the themes we're talking about uh, certainly will come back around uh, in the near future. Yes, yeah, so thank you for joining with us and to our OGs who have been with us since day one and to all of you gracious, beautiful, lovely folks who've managed to hang in here. Um, bless you. Um, but thanks for tuning in. Feel free to email us at shock therapy podcast at yahoo.com. Number one service provider and super cutting edge. <laughs> 
future provider of on demand goo. Yahoo.com. Yahoo. Yahoo. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Take care. We'll catch you next time. Bye.